know, it's something about praise and worship that sets an atmosphere. And when you are living in the times that we're living in right now, sometimes all you can do is rely on worship. And I'm a worshiper, and so it's been difficult for me to sit down listening to y'all sing. But I'm gonna say this, I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. God, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for waking us up this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to come in this church and bless your holy name. We thank you for life. We thank you for breath. We thank you for our thoughts and our mind being stayed on you. We thank you for family. We thank you for graduates. We thank you for a church, for a country. We can come in and praise you without any concerns about our freedom. So God, we stand ready to hear a word from you this morning. Holy Ghost, have your way. Do what you do. Break the walls open in this place. The master is a mess. That's messaging today, but you, you've got it all under control. Now, God, we're ready to find out what you want your people to know impart in the preacher what they need to hear. I surrender it all to you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. I bring you greetings this morning on behalf of my pastor, the Reverend Dr. Howard John Wesley, who is my guy. I love my pastor and he knows I'm on assignment today and he let me roll out, so I'm grateful for the opportunity. And to your pastor, sir, thank you so much for sharing your desk. That's not an easy thing to do to share the desk, so I thank you for the opportunity. I thank my three-year-old child right now who's home giving his daddy a ruckus <laughs> this morning. That's why they're not here at 8 o'clock. They couldn't make it. He texted me and said, what time are you coming back? I said, just meet me at 1045. So he'll be here for the second service. And so I'm grateful. And praise God for the worship team. Y'all bless them. That is, it's not easy doing worship. And thank you so much for the gifts of the young people. There is a word from the Lord this morning. And we'll come from the text in Joshua. Joshua chapter 6. We're going to play around with some verses, verses 1 through 5, 8 through 9, 15, 16, and 20. I don't know your custom, but it is ours to stand for the reading of the word. So if you are able, please do stand with me. And the passage says this, now Jericho, from the New Revised Standard Version, was shut up inside and out because of the Israelites. No one came out and no one went in. The Lord said to Joshua, see, 
I have handed Jericho over to you, along with its king and soldiers. You shall march around this city, all the warriors circling the city once. Thus you shall do for six days, with seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, the priests blowing the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city will fall down flat, and all the people shall charge straight ahead. Come down to verse 8. As Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them. And the armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets. The rear guard came after the ark while the trumpets blew continually. Come down to verse 15. On the seventh day, they rose early at dawn and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they had marched around that city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout! For the Lord has given you the city. Verse 20 is the last verse. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpets, they raised a great shout and the wall fell down flat. So the people charged straight ahead into the city and they captured it. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. Just for a few moments... I want to preach from the subject until the walls fall down, until the walls fall down. I, I have to be honest, I'm an HGTV junkie. Home and garden television does it for me. I love to see bathroom crashers and house hunters and island life and love it or list it. And for those of you that know anything about this network, all day long, these two twins get to walk around on TV. They call themselves the Property Brothers. And the premise of the show is that you can find a house in any condition. And if you invest yourself and your resources in an upgrade process, you can make that house your own. They find the worst houses on the block, don't they? Those houses are tore up from the floor up. Old carpet, gutted kitchens, dated fixtures, holes in the floors, and holes even in the walls. And it's the job of the property brothers to convince the buyer that if they're willing to see beyond what's in front of them right now, they can have the house of their dreams. These guys help home buyers find new and improved building materials, new brick and new cement and upgraded interior load-bearing walls and exterior walls, which are necessary components to support a massive infrastructure. And it was the Property Brothers that gave me a new affinity for what walls really do. As a physical structure, a wall inside a home is more than just a place where we hang our baby's pictures. Walls are built to hold a structure together. Walls are built to create a solid foundation. And yes, walls are purposeful in that they are built to protect a dwelling from falling to its own demise. That's why you just can't go around knocking down walls. 
As I was preparing for this message, I found myself infatuated with the walls, and not any walls, I mean walls that are erect across this entire globe. Some of you know about these great walls. There's a great wall in China. It's the largest man-made wall in the world. Matter of fact, it's said to be 13,170 miles long. This wall is one of the great wonders of the world, and it still stands to this day. And if you don't know about the Great Wall of China, then I know you've heard of the Wailing Wall. The Wailing Wall is the wall in Jerusalem, one of the holiest of Jewish sites. And it's sacred because it is a remnant of the Herodian Retaining Wall that once enclosed and supported the Second Temple. It's called the Wailing Wall because for centuries, Jews have gathered to lament for the loss of their temple. And that wall is still standing today. And speaking of walls, I remember the Berlin Wall. Some of y'all don't remember the Berlin Wall because you weren't even born yet. But this is a wall of shame. This wall was built to cut off West Berlin from surrounding East Germany and East Berlin. And it stood as a sign of bondage and oppression for 30 years. And it wasn't until a series of radical change, radical liberalization and liberation from authoritarian systems that this wall came down. It was when people decided that enough was a, enough and they understood that the wall had been a part of the problem and not a solution. This is a good place to think about the text this morning because we find Joshua. This young brother was hand-picked to serve as Moses' successor, to lead the children of Israel to the place that their forefathers had never set in, into the promised land. And in chapters 1 through 5 in Joshua, he was preparing the Israelites to position themselves to capture the city of Jericho surrounded by this big old wall. And you know the story. He sent some spies out. They were protected by their prostitute. Her name was Rahab, who knew what time it was. She knew the walls couldn't really withstand this God of the Israelites. So, if you're anything like me, you're wondering why was Jericho so important? The ancient city of Jericho was a thriving city that benefited from natural irrigation afforded by the Jordan River. And irrigation, along with thriving plant life, helped to transform Jericho into a flowing sea of green in an otherwise barren desert. Yet Jericho was a place of tranquility as life-giving waterfield oasis in the middle of dry, barren land. Now, don't miss this because Jericho is the ultimate oxymoron. It makes no logical sense for there to be green life in dry, barren land. I'm going somewhere, church. Some of us are stuck in our own dry, barren lands. We have so many walls surrounding our hearts and our lives that we can't even fathom the idea of living our best lives. You know what I'm talking about. It's an all-too-common scenario in the body of Christ, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and yet you're living with so many walls up in your life that you are missing the oasis of blessings that are available for you. I suggest to you that there's somebody in the house today that's got stacked up bricks all around their heart, bricks from self-made walls, and even some walls you let some other folks build for you. You're so stuck in your routine and stuck in your pity party that you can't even fathom the idea of living a life without a wall. The Great Wall of China ain't got nothing 
on some of the walls that we got in the body of Christ. The wall of anger, the wall of grief, the wall of mistrust, the wall of insecurity, the wall of personal pain, the wall of self-loathing, and the wall of envy, and the wall of coveting, and the wall of weight gain, and the wall of self-hating, the wall of unhealthy living, and the the wall of suicide, and the wall of getting too, too close to that divorce, and the wall of living as a widow or a widower, and the wall of giving up on your babies, and the wall of not answering your call into ministry, and the wall of not serving those who need your service. There's some walls in the body of Christ. The wall of I can't control it, I won't be a part of it. Uh The wall of I'm too old to get started and too young to be involved. The wall of I don't need nobody to love me. Or the wall of I'll take anybody I can get. I'm sensing some walls in the house, greater little Zion. When we experience life's troubles and trials, we begin to create self-made barriers that can block our ability to see God's purpose for our lives. And it is when we acknowledge the root cause of our walls and take the necessary steps to remove them that we are equipped to continue our journey to reach your fullest potential in God. It is a question that the text is begging us to ask it. What must we do? to see the walls fall down in our lives that have blocked our ability to walk boldly into our God-given destiny. In order to see the walls fall down in your life, you've got to first affirm God's power and promise for your life. Come on, see verses 1 and 2. Jericho was shut up inside and out because of the Israelites. No one came out and no one went in. See verse 2. This is big. The Lord said to Joshua, see, I have handed Jericho over to you along with its king and soldiers. In verse 2, the Lord makes it clear that he has already given over Jericho to Israel. I almost missed the shout in the text by reading too fast. For those of us that are familiar with the story, we get so caught up in the part of the story when people are shouting and the walls fall down. But look closely at what the text is saying. Before the walls fell down, God had already confirmed to Joshua that Jericho belonged to them. And not just the land, but the land, the king, and his soldiers. You see, when God confirms that something is for you, you don't have to worry about the process it will take to get there. And what he has for you is for you. And so the real shout is he will give you what he promised you and then got a nerve to provide support for you to handle the promise. In other words, God says, when I give it to you, you will be able to manage it. What you mean, preacher? If God said he's going to heal you of a disease, then not only will he heal you, but he'll provide the health care to cover you and the appropriate specialist to come to help you through. If God says your children will be protected and they will have a relationship with Christ, then it doesn't matter if they hook up with the wrong jokers. God will cover them and cover you in the crazy and bring them back home. If God said your financial situation will improve, all of your needs will be supplied, and then you will experience overflow to bless other people. God's promises for our lives are possible for two reasons. One, just because of who God is. And number two, it's because of what he feels for us. You see, the walls that you possess cannot fall down until you change the way you view God. (sighs) You have to continue to remind yourself 
Who has all power in their hands? Who is the king of kings? Who is the Lord of lords? Your pain didn't wake you up this morning. Your grief didn't pay your mortgage this morning. Your marital problems didn't put food on your table. Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, neither one of them put clothes on your back. And beloved, we've got to realize how big this God is that we serve. He's so big that he can promise you something without even showing you how he's going to do it. And you can rest assured that it will get done. You've got to stop idolizing these circumstances, church, and start entrusting in your Savior. You've got to stop focusing on the problem and start having faith in the power. But preacher, I, I've gone through so much pain. You don't know what I've lost. You don't understand what I'm feeling. God is still God, church, and God will still keep his promises. I, I was a collegiate athlete at Tulane University. I went to school on a full track and field scholarship, and I was a sprinter. And you couldn't tell me I wasn't Flo Joe. Flo Joe, 1988, the baddest thing that ever touched a track. She was, man, she made track pretty too, didn't she, boy? She, that hair was flying everywhere she went. Her nails looked good. Her lipstick was tight. I was Flo Joe. My freshman year in college was amazing. I went to Tulane with the school in New Orleans. I'm from Jersey. Big difference. Went down there and had a good freshman year, and I knew I was peaking. My body was getting ready, but then my sophomore year hit. And that then started happening to my body. I lost 20 pounds in a week. I had three menstrual cycles at a time. I was losing blood like no other. And I got nervous because if you know anything about the NCAA, there is a pay-to-play clause. In order for me to keep my scholarship, I had to play my sport. Yeah. Now, the only thing I knew to do was to call mama, daddy, and Jesus. And I got a call from the doctor, and they had confirmed that I was diagnosed with endometriosis at the age of 19. He said, young lady, your body can't handle the pressure that you're putting on it. You are training to the point where your body won't even be able to produce a child. Now, I was 19 and I was flojo. I didn't really care. 19, I'm flojo. He didn't know who I was. Well, I knew once he started talking to me, I called my mom and daddy back. I said, Mom, they said I won't have kids. She said, well, you're not running no more. Now, I didn't know what she was talking about then. But this is what I did know. I knew that I was not going to be able to stay in school because my parents couldn't afford to keep me at Tulane University in New Orleans. Well, the next day, I got a phone call from my track coach. And he said to me and my parents on the phone, well, I promised you when I met you, Mr. and Mrs. Arline, that I was going to take care of your baby. So don't worry about the scholarship. I'm just going to keep her on my payroll. And what I had to do was not run, but just work for the track team to keep my four-year free scholarship. I don't know who I'm talking to, but you got walls in your life, and you're on the verge of giving up because you think your walls are too great. You have forgotten that God has a plan and a promise for your life. Remember who you serve, church. If God said it, then that settles it. That's why I love the word amen so much. See, the true meaning of amen as an adverb is so let it be. 
And in the Hebrew, it translates to be firm. So affirm, so let it be. Amen to the God in your life. Amen to the walls that are going to fall down. Amen to that new business. Amen to the new companion. Amen your marriage will last. Amen your children are going to stay healthy. Amen to the house that God promised you. Amen to no foreclosure. Amen to the bills being paid. Amen to the walls falling down. Amen greater little Zion for your ministry expanded. The walls. Ha! This God is so powerful that there is a promise with your name on it. I gotta move on. Not only must you confirm and affirm God's power and plan for your life, but in order to see the walls fall down in your life, you must align yourself with God-minded people and activate continual worship. It's in the text. That's wide open in the text. Eight and nine in, the, in chapter six says, Joshua commanded the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of rams before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them. And the armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets. The rear guard came after the ark while the trumpets blew continually. After Joshua got the word that Jericho was going to be conquered, God begins to offer clear instructions in verses 4 and 5, who should do what and how they should do it. But in 8 and 9, Joshua is carrying out a specific Yahweh command. Now, I want us to understand the context here. In order for the walls to fall down in Jericho, God assigned the appropriate people that were equipped and anointed to carry out that task. And during those days, the priests were the only ones sanctioned to use a ram horn. These horns gave signals of war and were blown to herald the arrival of a special season coming. And as the priests would blow their horn, the ark of the Lord was escorted with armed men in front of procession and behind the procession. Church, if our walls are going to fall down, then only those people assigned to your life can truly stand in the gap with you. Many of you have walls in your lives because you've got unappointed people that have begun to lay extra low-bearing bricks on your walls. Why? Because your God-given destiny was not in line with their personal desires for you. You, 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 you're not understanding what I'm saying. You got jokers jacked up in your life hanging on you, adding bricks to your walls because what you want for them ain't what they really want for you. Ha! And I'm talking about abusive people, ungrateful people, leeching people, cunning, fake, phony, mischievous people. And so now you find yourself in a battle trying to knock the walls down in your life and yet you are aligned with the wrong battle cry. I'm a member of a sorority, I am a Delta, and hey, Saul Ross, and any civic organization that I join, I'm a member of it because I believe in the connection to the members. And for me, I've always been in the right place at the right time with the right people that I'm a part of. And so because of our commonality as sisters, there's some things that I'm never going to have to worry about. And I'm going to give you an example. I was at a regional conference, 
And during this particular conference, there was a sister of ours who was being abused by her husband. And no one really knew except two or three people. Well, this potential weekend of gathering, our national president at the time was from New Orleans, Cynthia McIntyre, and she was there in the hallway, and this man showed up. The abusive husband showed up in the middle of the Delta Conference. This man came in and began to publicly argue with this woman and then decided he was going to lift his hand to her in front of 3,500 women in red. <laughs> well, the ambush of red women from ages 85 to 18 showed up and took this joker to work. And they began to turn their purses into assault weapons. And when he got a hold of a sister that started swinging, the man ran for his life. Church, when you got walls in your life, you need some like-minded, God-fearing, ride-or-die people that'll go in front of you, that'll go behind you, that'll walk with you to see those walls fall down. You gotta have somebody to carry the precious things. You gotta have armed guards. That's me, I like to be the armed guard. I'm one of them ride-or-die chicks. I wanna, <laughs> I, I wanna, I wanna, do it all the time. You, you, you gotta have people that'll praise with you, that'll pray with you, that'll worship with you. That's why I had to reassess myself. I started checking some folk off the list because they weren't carrying me. They weren't worshiping with me. They weren't praying through it with me. They wasn't right or die with me. And now I stop for a minute. Don't, don't, don't miss it. Don't miss it. The, the text is telling us this. He blew his horn continually. Now the text will tell you this. The walls will not come down until you align yourself with people that have continual worship. Continually means never stop. They don't stop playing. I'm a musician. I, I don't stop, can't stop. That's what I do. I can't stop playing it in my head. That means if you want the walls to fall, you got to change what is in you and what comes out of you. I'm not talking about a shout. I'm not talking about a cliche, God is so good all the time, I'm too blessed and highly favored. No, 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 that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having a heart and an endurance to seek God until God says go to the next thing. I'm talking about changing the atmosphere around you at work and at home and at church and even in your community. Worship is an enduring experience. You can't have one good Sunday and call that worship. I clapped real good that day. That's not worship. No, 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 no. What you mean? <laughs> Historians will confirm this. When you walk around the walls of Jericho, that's a physical feat. That means you march until you have blisters on your feet. If you've ever done a march for cancer or a march for Alzheimer's, your body will shut down if you're not prepared for it. Real worshipers prepare themselves for their battle. <laughs> and if you want to see the walls fall down, if you want to see the things change in your life, you got to focus on who you're praising and why you're praising them. I'm talking about a horn blowing, trumpet sounding, powerful interface with your God. Praise that'll last you through your trials. Praise that'll last in the midst of your pain. Praise that will carry you in the midst of your mess. Praise that shows you light in the middle of the darkness. And let me clarify this for you right now. The method of your worship is not in question. How you do it ain't my issue with you. Just do it. 
Worship is not an action, it's a lifestyle change. And I need you to understand something. Walls can't fall until you worship. You may clap your hands and you may shout aloud and yes, that's worship, but you may be so wrapped up in the presence of God and can't move. That's worship too. You may smile at someone that has a frown on their face. That's worship. You might bless someone who's homeless. That's worship too. You might forgive somebody that hurt you. That's really good worship. You see the walls. No other enemy can withstand the power of true worship, the power of faith-filled trumpet worship, the power of I surrender all worship, the power of hallelujah anyhow worship. Stay connected with the right folk and know that they can carry and cover you and praise continually. Sit down, I got one more. Not only must you affirm God's power and purpose for your life, and not only must you align yourself with worship-minded people and commit to continual worship, you must finally anticipate your victory on the other side of the wall. Verse 16 says, and the, at the seventh time, when the priest had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Come on to 20. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. And as soon as the people heard the sounds of the trumpet, they raised a great shout and the wall fell down flat. So the people charged straight ahead into the city and captured it. Now watch this. Joshua knew that Jericho would belong to the people of Israel. In verse 16, he gives them their final instructions and says, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. That was an anticipation of victory. You see, godly anticipation means that you're preparing to realize his promise for you. It means you're no longer operating on the premise that what lies ahead of you is in control of you. Imagine our outlook on life, on our future, on our family, if we started anticipating God more often. Imagine if we decided that we no longer wallow in our pain and no longer continue adding bricks of worry, anxiety, and begin to anticipate his promise for us. I hear people telling me, I don't know what God has for me. Yes, you do. He's got good in your mind. You don't know what the plans are for you to prosper. Well, then what God are you serving? I don't know what God has for me. Yes, you do. You know that God wants you to thrive in your life and be the green life in a dry, barren desert. You are right. We don't always know the particulars of God's plans, but we can rest assured and anticipate that all of his plans are the right plans for us. No, we don't always know why he takes away and why he allows the hurt. But when you have relationship with God and you have a track record of God and you look back over your life, you begin to think about your life. You think about your children and your family and your career and your health and all his plans were the right plans. There's a Thai tribute song that I love. If he did it before, then he could do it again. The same God right now, same God back then. The children of Israel were once slaves. They had a leader named Moses who God rose up and was chosen to lead them out of Egypt. Well, he did it for Moses, then surely he could do it for Joshua. Those of us of African descent, we are products of slaves. But guess what? In 2008, the same product of slaves put a black man in the White House. Our walls fell. 
You got to see it before you see it. You got to see it before you see it. I don't know about you, but I'm anticipating great things from a great God and awesome things from an awesome God and mind-blowing things from a mind-blowing God. I got to let you go, but I need to share something with you. I went to the doctor in September of 2016, and the woman told me and my husband that we were expecting our second child. And I was tripping because I was like, now how that happen? Don't even know what you're talking about, ma'am. We got a two-year-old. We're not having no more children. What are you talking about? And then that moment of my anxiousness, I was nervous, but then I adjusted because I knew this had to be in God's plan. I called my mom. I called my girls. One of them just rolled in here. I called them up like, y'all, we having a baby. I said, we. We all have. We having, we having a baby. And I was excited. I started planning them. A few weeks later, the doctor called me back. And the doctor happened to be a friend and sorority sister of mine. And it took her 27 minutes because I counted for her to come back in the room. And she told me my baby had no vital sign. And instead of today celebrating what would have been that baby's one-month birthday, I'm remembering the life of that child. And when I was preparing for this assignment, I sat back and said, God, I still see your providential hand. You see, the Lord knew I was going to accept this preaching engagement on this exact day. He knew that he needed to have me deep in the word so my walls wouldn't jack me up. He then sent me to Joshua and started changing the way I see things. He said, daughter, I have already given you one child. Stop walking around with your walls of grief. Stop walking around with your walls of anger. Stop walking around with your walls of hurt. And then he said, look at the boy I gave you. Now start praying around him and start walking around him and start praising God for who he is. So I called on the prayer warriors because I read the text. I called my mama. I called my girl and said, y'all got to pray me through this thing. And I don't know about you, but on the other side of my wall is an oasis coming. On the other side of my wall, my healing is coming. On the other side of this wall, that financial thing that I asked for is coming. On the other side of this wall is my breakthrough. That new and improved relationship, oh, it's coming. I don't know who I'm preaching to you, but I'm coming to encourage you this morning. Yes, it's going to hurt. Yes, it won't always be peaches and cream, but God's got you. It's time for your walls to fall down. There's a promise with your name on it, and it's time for your walls to fall down. There's worship in the atmosphere. There's a worship in the atmosphere. Let go. Let him do it. Let the walls fall. Let go. Let him do it. And let the walls fall. Don't get weary. Just worship him. Don't get concerned. Just worship him. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praising. Don't stop lifting your hands. Keep the faith until the walls fall down.